Thanks for tuning in to the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. It is episode number 20. I am Josh Roop, along with my co-captain. Scott Larson. And today we have Brad Hunter of Lit Frames. How are you doing today, Brad? I'm doing great. How are you guys? We're doing great. It sounds like you, uh, you're you gearing up for Expo coming up. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, next Thursday is the, the kickoff day. So uh, we'll, we'll get into a lot more about... Uh, why you're on and what's the point but let's talk about what what do you do in pinball because uh, there's a lot of different things that josh and i have talked about whether or not it's the designers or the programmers but we also like the uh the i guess the game room element of uh just having things in your house that tell hey this is what i do and so what do you do why why are you in, into pinball yeah so I'm into pinball for the experience, uh, and part of that's the artwork. And so basically my product was to come up with a way to light up pinball trans lights or artwork that's in the back box. So you could have it hanging on your wall anytime, whether you own the machine or you didn't. Okay. And so, so what, uh, like what, why did you choose to have this illuminated art? Uh, it's great. And a lot of people have extra trans lights laying around. What, what, what made you think, you know what, I need to do something better to get this up on people's walls? Yeah, so uh, Stern actually gave me four trans lights, um, and they're sitting under my bed rolled up in a tube. And I thought, that's pretty lame. After a few months, these should be lit. Uh, they should be hanging in a frame, but I couldn't find anything that was readily available that fit this size. Uh, and the people that used to make them were no longer in business. And so... Uh, finally found and worked with a manufacturer where I could custom size these tra- these frames for my trans lights. Uh, initially, I just wanted four frames for my, my trans lights to hang on my wall. Uh, showed them to some friends. They got excited, which got me excited. They wanted some. So I kept making more, kept making them better. Uh, fast forward a year later and, you know, here today chatting with you guys. So, uh, so first question. What are the four translates that Stern gave you? Deadpool, Star Wars, Guardians of the Galaxy, and Iron Maiden. So, so they they gave you these translates? Did you win them? Like, uh, how did, how did this happen? No one's ever <laughs> given me a translate, so I I'm, I'm wondering how I can get on the team. Yeah, so I've been friends with uh, Jody over there since about 2010, uh, and then recently Zach, since he got hired on. You know, we'll go to lunch every once in a while. Uh, my my background and what I currently do in my day job is marketing for consumer good companies. And so, you know, we exchanged ideas uh, about different experiences, events, marketing ideas for Stern. And as a thank you, I wasn't expecting anything. We were just talking over lunch. They sent me a bunch of translates just as a thank you for, you know, spending time and talking, talking pinball. So, yeah, they didn't know me anything. It was just super great of Stern to send those to me. Well, and I, I want to back up just uh, just a couple steps because I feel like we, we put the cart in front of the horse. Um, Brad, why don't you tell us how you got into pinball? Because uh, we had a, I mean, we already had this discussion, but we didn't share it with everyone. So uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into pinball up to this point? Yeah, when I was about seven or eight years old, went over to a friend's house and they had a Sorcerer, a Miss Pac-Man, a Bonsai Run. And I think either a big hunt or a scorpion. And I thought they stole them from the bowling alley. 
I honestly didn't know people could own coin-operated games in their home, but it was the coolest thing. So we'd, we'd build a fort under their hockey table and we'd play Sorcerer till 2 or 3 a.m. and have nightmares uh, from those eyes in the back glass. And ever since then, I knew I wanted a pinball machine in my, in my house. And so a few years later, when I was 14, I borrowed a couple hundred bucks from my parents uh, they had an SUV, so went to an operator's warehouse, picked up a Bally Skateball and Atari Space Riders. And I kid you not, the Atari Space Riders, all it needed was a fuse. Wow. And, uh, and <laughs> that's what everyone jokes about. So I, I flipped those games, uh, and then the rest is history. I just kept buying and fixing. So back then, it was Rec Games Pinball uh, before Pinside. Started meeting local collectors, uh, learn how to read schematics, just basic repair type stuff. And then YouTube comes along, Pinside comes along. Uh, yeah, and then it, it kind of blows up from there. What's crazy to me is we were talking before this and you were telling me you kind of lived through the, I want to call, I'm going to call it the quote unquote dark times of pinball. So that 2000s area, you were telling me you were trying to sell like a scared stiff and it sat for months at $2,600 and you just couldn't get rid of pinball machines because no one was buying. And, uh, I it just tell, tell us a little bit about that. Cause I think a lot of us that are in the pinball hobby now have really jumped in in the last five years. Yeah, and so yeah, tell us about yeah, it. Yeah. So back then it's pretty interesting. So I never got into the container games. So you hear people talking about twilight zones, Adam's families for 800, $1,200 coming in from Europe. All the time. Uh, the games I had, so that Scared Stiff came from Namco Game Sales. I bought in 2000 for $13.95 was the sticker price. It was an early production. Had the Glow Shooter uh, eyeball. Had a Glow Bony Beast ramp as well as the slings. Uh, mint shape. I didn't even know what cabinet fade was back then. I didn't know what ghosting inserts were back then. You know, I... A game that worked. That's all that mattered to me. And so I kept that game about eight or nine years, sold it uh, in 2009. It actually was listed for at least a month until a local collector paid 2600 for it. I think I dropped the price from 2800 to 2600 uh, Within a month, I also sold my No Good Gophers for 1850 It was mint uh, as well. So I think the frustrating thing was I don't I didn't know as much about the hobby from what's collectible because it didn't really matter back then. You weren't thinking I should start hoarding games now because five, ten years from now everything's gonna be three times what it's worth. I remember uh I remember walking into this pool hall, there's a Congo and it was listed for a thousand dollars. And he had two to choose from. He said, Which one do you want? And I tried to haggle him at $900 because I, I literally only had $900. And he said, no, I can only do 1000 So I walked away. And he had two Congos to pick from. You should have pulled out your your uh, pulled out your pockets and laid all the money out and was like and seriously and you can have whatever change I have in the ashtray in my car. I know. Just back then, it it didn't matter. I mean, nine hundred, a thousand, like truly, that was all I had. You know, I was in I was in college, and you know, who's who's buying pinball machines in college? It's crazy. Yeah. Now, okay. Now I know you went to college in Utah. Was that here in Utah? 
Yeah, so I went to BYU. Um, oh, actually, I tried to buy the Attack from Mars from the bowling alley, and I tried to yeah. buy an, a Tales of Arabian Nights that I actually turned down for twenty two hundred. Yeah. It was at a pizza joint because they said, "Well, it's unshopped. Like I'll give you eighteen hundred, but twenty two hundred, you're crazy." Well, but I, at the same time, that's well, it's not crazy. That that was market price at the time. Yeah, that's that was the norm, right? I mean, that'd be like yeah. buying an unshopped Tales for eight thousand today. Well, and the other thing you said that played into factors at this time too was uh, there was no parts available. No one had, you know, ramps. No one had pretty much if you, it was broken, there wasn't much way to fix it, right? I think that it was part of the, there was a game changer right around 2010 to 2012. Uh, I think it's twofold. One, I think Jersey Jack jumping in because Jersey Jack jumped in and said, we don't like what machine Stearns are making, we are going to do a different type of game. And that my my impression is that lit a fire under Stern and Stern said, oh, we can step up our game. By the way, here's ACDC. Here's Tron. Here's all these other games that they just took it up a notch. And so one, they started making better games flat out. But two, you had um, you had this emerging online community of people who's like, okay, I don't have a pinball guy who can repair machines here, but guess what? I have an internet. I have YouTube. I have uh, this online community, which I can figure out how to maintain a machine because the challenge was in 2005, you didn't really have that. Unless you knew someone how to fix a machine, your machine was broke and it was not going to get fixed. Yeah, because the the media and the content back then, you know, there were there was Rec Games Pinball, which was basically a Google group, but it's basically a text thread, right? Yeah. And so your your ability to to show videos or to FaceTime with someone uh, around the world, it, it at least that I could remember, it didn't exist. It, it's also how much time do you have? How much time do you have to fix a game? Yeah, I mean, think about playfield swaps today. Think about clear coding playfields. People did that back then, but that was super high end restores, almost like what a high end pin would be doing. I I would never consider doing that mm-hmm. back then. It seems that with uh, the ability for people to learn how to work on their own machines, it, I think uh, I would still be very nervous about board work, about doing electronics work, but. If it's a mechanical part, I can pretty much figure that out. And I think that's where most people are when it comes to re- to maintaining their games. Yeah, 100%. A lot of the mechs have even been remade. So when I got into it, uh, Carrie Stair from Mantis Amusements had kind of come on the scene. And he was remake- remaking a lot of the metal brackets that were breaking. So no mm-hmm. good gophers, right? The catch ramps. Uh, he was remaking all of those where before you're kind of – you're out of luck. Like, if that breaks, I hope you can find someone who can weld that. Your game's going to be inoperable. So you've been in the wild, in the hobby for a while now, and, and you've just kind of grown up with it as you, you've moved on with life, correct? Yeah, I've been kind of in and out of it, right? Because I only own, I own one pinball machine today, even though I've been in the hobby, I'd say on and off for 23 years. And so, you know, that's kind of the thing about getting into the hobby when you're 14. You don't have money when you're 14. Yeah, And your priorities and your life stages change from high school to college to married to kids to back to school 
to just getting a job to now it's my hobby funds now a house fund. And so it, it continues to evolve for someone who may come into the hobby, say 35, 40, 45 years old, you know, they're probably more established as far as a hobby fund and a focus that they can then dump into the hobby. Yeah. And, and that's pretty much when I got into it. I got into it when I, when I had the house, when I had the job and I, over a year, I went kind of crazy and I, I bought, uh, I think eight, eight expensive machines in a year because I, I actually had a pool of funds that I was planning on building a, an entertainment area with, but yeah. So, so here's a question I have. So now you are getting into that, that age demographic where you can get the man cave. So if you were to pick your five to six, I'm going to assemble my lineup. What would they be? Uh, Jurassic Park Pro is first on the list. The Data uh, East one, right? <laughs> Stern. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, Stern Jurassic Park. Uh, it's my favorite newer Stern. Deadpool Premium. I'm a big fan of. Uh, I'd have to do some Chicago gaming remakes. So, probably Medieval, Attack from Mars. Yeah, those are probably the four. Okay. So you basically stayed pretty new. You stayed, I mean, those are nine. I, if you if you're going back, Attack from Mars and Medieval Madness, you're looking at ninety six is the earliest you would have. Yeah, so it all be nineties Bally Williams or newer Stern. Okay. Uh, yeah, we'll we'll see what we'll see what Jersey Jack brings up in the next year or two. Uh, Wizard of Oz is my favorite of the ones, but I haven't played Pirates yet, so Pirates mm-hmm. could be a contender. As someone who's played Pirates, I will say. It's pretty amazing. It has a very similar epic game feel like Wizard of Oz. Uh, when you come up to Wizard of Oz, you know it's a different game, mm-hmm. which is why they keep selling more and more Wizard of Oz machines because it is different than a lot of the other games out there. And when you go, walk up to a Pirates, uh, if Wizard of Oz had the kitchen sink, Pirates has like a lazy river and a pool and a bungee cord. I mean, it's it seems like there's nothing missing in that game, and the fact that it feels like a narrow, uh, like a, a standard body versus a wide body, is a testament to what Eric's done with the design. Um, I I really hope that when they keep cycling through, that they throw that back on the line because it's a crime that they had a hard time getting it to market, and then people dropped off and so they sold it a little bit and then they moved on to Wonka. I really hope that now it's been out there and people are demanding it that Jersey Jack does throw it back in the rotation because it would be a shame to have that epic game not be available. Uh, I I really want to figure out a way to incorporate it into my collection at some point in the future. Good to know. <laughs> so Brad, what is it that um that appeals to you more about the pro than the premium Jurassic part, because right now everyone's like, it feels like it's missing something. If you don't have the premium price, <laughs> it's simple as that. So uh, <laughs> Yeah, I know Scott didn't throw price, right. And price probably doesn't matter if you're picking five to seven, you know, games that are probably 40 to $60,000. Um, but if I, if I were just picking one game, you know, and say I had five or $6,000 to spend, it'd be Jurassic park pro today. 
Yeah. Well, and we're going to ask people who are listening, you can help out Brad right now by uh, buying his Lost World, not the Jurassic Park one, but the one from 1980s, correct? Yeah. And as, the ballet. as long as they don't listen to the Bo and Karen's special you guys did where he really talked up the game. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there's a Lost World for sale, and it would really help out Brad get that Jurassic Park Pro he's, he's eyeballing. Yeah. Uh, so I haven't, I haven't played the Premium or the LE Jurassic Park yet. Uh, they look amazing because I think you have the – is it the raptor cage on the left? And then you have the the T-Rex that comes down and eats the ball. Uh, but I, I was blown away. I think it's one of the best pros that Stern's put out in a while. I felt like a lot of people oh, uh, had to go to the premium at least to feel like they got the complete package. And I, I think they knocked it out of the park at, at a pro level to get everything in there that they did. You know, I, I think this Keith Elwin's going to be a force in pinball. He's a, he's a new guy, maybe people should hear about him but yeah i think he'll be a, i think he'll be pretty good for a while agree so you told us you're friends with zach and jody what kind of secrets can you give us you know behind the scenes stuff that's going on yeah what are the next five releases <laughs> that they've told you they're gonna hey you guys you're kind of breaking up <laughs> <laughs> well i know I, I was talking to zach the other day and he was telling me all the new releases coming out so yeah can't wait for yeah. my little pony yeah, man, that would be awesome. Island Adventure, Hello Kitty Island Adventure. It's going to be awesome. You know, I've been told, though, you don't joke about Golden Girls. There is a certain segment of the or part of the pinball fandom that really wants the Golden Girls, and they get very upset if that's joked about. So, yeah. Brad, I want to talk a little bit about how you and I met because I, I found this actually quite funny. Um, why don't you tell your, your perspective of the story? Because I. Uh, I really, I didn't even realize it was not what I thought it was until we had been talking for about two you, hours. You want the perspective from a stalker? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, no, you're not a stalker. That's the, that's the whole until random you, thing. So until you go, hear the real ahead. story. So, oh, I see. Uh, so as you know, Pinside has a pin map. And so I was going to be out recruiting for my company, uh, I think, what, two weeks ago now? And so I was looking around the town that I was going to be in. Because uh, Pinside Map pins everyone. And I was looking uh, who of these people, you know, 20 minutes away from the campus had been on Pinside within the last month. And there were only two or three people that, that popped. So I messaged everyone asking for locations in that area that I could play pinball while I was uh, doing some campus recruiting. And Scott was the only one that replied and gave me a few locations and said, you know, here's some locations or you could just come over and play at my house. I said, okay. Uh, yeah. So we met up and played pinball for about two hours and yeah, great host and uh, super thankful that I had the opportunity to play your collection and meet you. But here's the funny thing. I just kind of assumed that I, I know that we're not a huge <laughs> podcast, but I just kind of assumed that he's like, oh, I'm going to be in Utah uh, you know, Scott and Josh, they're from Utah. I'll be able to, to message them. So the whole time I'm just assuming that, oh, well, he must be listening to the podcast. And I had no idea one that Brad did all these frame things. And two, he had no idea that, that we had a podcast. And so I, I really think that you were over at my house for about two hours before you even said, well, yeah, I, I do this thing on the side. And he's like, how'd you get into pinball? I'm like, Wait, really? <laughs> I, think, I think I've told the story a few times, but uh, okay. Um, well, I got a 
we got, we got a podcast going on. He's like, Oh, Oh, okay. <laughs> so yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's just interesting how you make a lot of assumptions when you meet people and you're like, Oh, well that's completely different than what I thought. Uh, yep. All true. <sighs> yeah. And actually I will say Brad did, uh, when I said, yeah, well, I, I'm interested in getting some pinball art. Brad said, well, let me send out one of the frames and you can try it out and, and see what you think. And so Brad actually did send me uh, one of these frames. And I will say as someone who's had gone over to my friend's house, who's had uh, a lot of these illuminated uh, uh, trans light frames, uh, this is a great frame and uh, certainly a reasonable price for being able to get them and to frame your art. And so I, uh, Brad's going to be at Expo. And so go and check him out and uh, you'll be able to get uh, a discount price right there um, because he's not having to ship it. You can just take it from him. And also, uh, what else do you have? Uh, you have talk about your uh, the art connections that you uh, have deals with that you're illuminating their stuff. Yeah, so there will be three different art pieces uh, with Franchi and with Brian Allen. So... Uh, sure some of your listeners have heard about the Beetlejuice and the Superman 78 uh, pinball machines that never came about. Uh, partnered with Franchi to sell limited edition signed and numbered uh, 25 Beetlejuice translites and 25 Superman 78 translites. Those will be available at the show if you want to pick them up with the frame. And then Brian Allen, uh, who did the Monster Bash alternate also just released the Attack from Mars Alternative Translite. Uh, so I'll have some of those for sale as well at my booth, and he will be there for signing uh, at his booth as well. So Beetlejuice, Superman 78, and Attack from Mars, as well as frames that fit all those sizes. Uh, and then I'll have the 90s Williams Bally size frame as well. So if you have any of the, the classic games from that era, I have a frame that will fit all of those translites. Well, and the, the other question I have now too is, is I know that Brian Allen just posted that he still has some of the monster bash available. Um, not very well, many. He has, he has one less cause I bought one. Oh, gotcha. I'm buying, I'm buying one. So, and then do you know if Franchi will be teaming up with you to do the wonder woman? Cause he did just release that artwork. Not, I think it was this last week or the week before that he did for the original wonder woman series that came out yeah we 30 years we ago. have not talked about wonder woman i'd say this art project probably kicked off two months ago and so i think wonder woman was that within the last week or so was released yeah mm-hmm. uh, i'd love to partner up with them i think you know we see how expo goes uh about half of those beetlejuice have already been pre-sold and expo hasn't even happened yet and so Dang. i think anyone that that, that has seen franchi art knows knows the value and we're only doing 25 which i'd say is a truly limited run of these yeah and so yeah if you want if you want them drop by my booth uh lit frames at expo and you know be be happy to hook you up can they message you beforehand and reserve one yeah absolutely so lit frame shop at gmail.com it's my email if you want to prepay maybe either hold one and you'll pick it up at expo i'm also willing to ship if you can't make it to Expo, because I understand uh, not everyone lives near Chicago or is making the trip out, uh, happy to work with you there. So, uh, yeah, and, and spell out lit frames. Yeah, so L I T F R A M E 
S-H-O-P at gmail.com. Litframeshop at gmail.com. Okay. And we'll definitely put that in the show notes as well. But it's crazy. Um, Is this your first time at Expo or? Uh, This is my second time. I think the last time I went was maybe 15 years ago. Okay. Which is is crazy because it's only an hour away. Uh, But yeah, lived lived away for about 10 years of that. You're going to have to like blog or something the to- or even facebook like the total differences between 15 years ago to this year you know i mean 15 years i was like oh four wasn't oh four oh five so yeah crazy you, you saw the re- release of lord of the rings yeah exactly <laughs> yeah yeah he had gary gary up there dressed as a hobbit so <laughs> so we'll, we'll we'll have to touch base with you and actually uh circle around and see uh see what you uh you feel the difference is yeah I'm, I'm guessing the big one will be there will actually be manufacturers there plural yeah so that will be super exciting just to see their different booths and experiences uh last time it was basically stern had their latest game and then tournaments and the vendor hall that was it mm-hmm. so it's so crazy it's so crazy it just it, i don't know it's mind-blowing to me because it's like I, uh, yeah we've talked about this multiple times, like the, the movie special one lit just watching how there was like no one there. And now you look at it and it's like, I mean, look at the IFPA. This is just competitive pinball. And I do, I, there's a lot of people that say competitive pinball and tournament pinball turn people off. And I, I kind of believe that to a point, but we have over 75,000 registered people to mm-hmm. IFPA. That's insane to me. 75,000 people is it's awesome. And that's just the competitive part. That's not just the the, the casual goers. That's not mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying. And well, so, it's people who have done a, who have actually entered a real tournament. And yeah. in, I know there are people who can look at the the downside of that and say, okay, well, so look at the people who regularly play, and it's probably only the top two or three thousand. Okay, you can say that, but you could also say, hey, there's almost seventy thousand people who have tried a tournament, and that if you can get any of those to uh, to latch on and to become uh, become a fan, you you're growing the sport. So what what are you looking forward to at uh, at Expo besides selling 100 frames? Looking forward to playing Pirates, Wonka, okay. uh, the new Star Wars. I know it's the same as the old Star Wars. I haven't played the old Star Wars yet though. Uh, so I think I think just playing a lot of the new games. I haven't played. I don't get out to location play as much. Uh, there's Galloping Ghost Pinball, which is probably half an hour from me, and then a bunch of arcades. Dude, have you not pl- have you not played the? Uh, oh crap! What's the Skip B one? Predator. Have you not played Predator at Galloping Ghost? Uh, I have played it at Galloping Ghost. That and uh, I think Alien. Ooh. Aren't they side by side? I think they are. Yeah. How is how is both of them? Uh, so I only played a game or two because Jack Danger was streaming that night. This is maybe a month or two ago. So he was there streaming, I think, Predator and Alien. So by the time I got to him, they were closing. So I only got about one game. So I fun to play, but I I couldn't I couldn't give you a review on it. Uh, No worries, no worries. I just do they actually have like rules with Predator? I don't know. Or is it just is it just a a a light box that flips? I that I I really I'm surprised. I I didn't even. I didn't even know they made one, so I'm a little surprised that there's one on location. It's like one of the only ones in existence, in my understanding. Yeah. Well, but I'm just wondering, like, what what kind of rules they possibly do? I mean, 
That, that's impressive that they even got a Predator flipping machine <laughs> since they couldn't get a Magic Girl flipping machine. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know so. about rules. I wonder if Jack Danger has it on his stream. I thought he streamed oh. it. He huh. did. And I, um, or he, either that or if I remember correctly, he like refused to stream it because it shuts down during like ball three. There's not enough there to keep it going. And so it was like, do I stream it? And then it shut down. Like, with how much time it takes to set up to stream, it's oh, not yeah. worth it to stream something that's going to be very finicky and then shut down on you. And so I'm, I'm pretty for sure that's what it was. Cause we all joked like you got to stream it. You got to stream it. And then Jack was like, it's guys, it's like a turd. Like I don't want to set up just to, just to stream something just to find something else to stream. So, well, it, um, okay. I will say, it, um, it is super pretty. They, they at least nailed that eighties vibe with it. So, you know, you know, whichever art. So I, I, I guarantee if anyone had that in their collection, it's an eye grabber just because you've got two human skulls and spines dripping with blood hanging off the back box. You Why can't not? tell me that that wouldn't catch everyone's eye walking into your collection. They might be you know concerned, what? but that would be catch great. I'm just going to put it downstairs and my eight and six and four year old will come down. They'll they'll love that. You know it, man. Yeah. So, well, speaking of scared stiff, uh, Brad, you used to own that. What do you think of the new Elvira? Are you excited to play that at Expo? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I love Scared Stiff. Uh, I love the humor in it. Uh, it's, uh, yeah, I'm excited to play it. I haven't watched any of the streams yet uh, on the game gameplay. I don't know if you guys have watched many of the streams. I've watched, I watched the reveal stream with Dak, Jack Danger and Dance Norman and Lyman Sheets, and it was pretty good. Um, I like... I like the direction. You can obviously tell it's got really good bones. So the play field looks like it shoots really well, but that code, you know, Lyman, man, he, he just, he, he's got to put the cherry on top. So it, it's, it's starting code, but it looks good from what I saw. So would you pick Elvira yeah. or monsters based on what you know? Elvira hands down. I find monsters fun. I, it's, it's not super deep. But not every game you have needs to be super... The game that I come down and play the most in my collection is Iron Man. And really, it's not that deep of a game. Like, if I can get to the wizard mode in Iron Man, it's not that deep. But I still have a fun time playing it. And so, like, I'm not... I know there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of people who are bagging on monsters, but really what they were shooting, what they were shooting for, I think it's a good game. I think the problem is though, and this is just my personal opinion. I own a monster bash, um, and it's they're always compared to each other um, because rightfully of, so. Just the way that the game's set up and everything, I would prefer to have a monster bash than a monsters. And so I guess that's where that plays into it. Because I'm like, well, Avira feels something different. Like I've never owned a scared stiff. I've never owned. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't think I've honestly ever known it owned a Norman game, uh, even though some of his are my favorites, like White Water and and Scared Stiff, and uh, we were talking Indy Five Hundred. That's another good one too. Um, so it, I guess there's a lot that plays into it. If if you're just putting them side by side and you never own any game, I honestly probably still take Elvira, but that's just me, I guess. Sure, but you're also paying more for Elvira. I, mean, it's, oh, I thought we were doing like I thought we were like doing our prize wheel thing here. Where it was like, what's behind door one or two? How about, how about, a, how about oh. a monsters premium? Well, uh, That's the same same price, right? Yes, the, the base Elvira. Okay, I mean, it's As, yes, yes. Yep. The the challenge I have with those games is a lot of the time you have a lower play field and ends up being kind of a 
a gimmick. I, it's there's not really much to do. It's like the Congo. You know, you just have aim. You you flail the buttons and you eventually just you know spell all the letters. And with the monsters one, it it's okay, but there's it, it's it's a small diversion for the entire field. And so with Elvira having a lot more going on. The one thing that disappoints me about Elvira, uh, just from an aesthetic view, is that Nordman is known for having something that it, his games look different. I, if you look at the, the big ramps, the sweeping ramps, the, the visually they are different than your standard layout. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not downgrading a fan layout because there's a reason why a lot of the great games are fan layouts. And so for him to try a... a a typical fan layout uh, says that hey, he, he's he's mixing up and trying things, um, but visually it's it's different. It's not it's not like Deadpool that has the katana ramp that that is a big long shot that goes all the way across the playfield. You know, it, it goes it goes right then left and circles around and ends up on the right again. And so visually, it's completely different. So I'd be curious to see how it how it feels when you're playing it because. It's not the bony beast ramp. It's not the uh, you know the white water ramps that are huge and flowing, uh, you know, in Sandy Falls. But it it, it it certainly would be interesting, I guess. Well, but um, in Elvira, the new one, he uh, Norman did put in a white water ramp. He put in the disaster drop ramp, the one that comes around and then drops. It it's above the whole playfield and just drops onto the playfield. So yeah, but. So let's talk. Let's talk expo. Let's um, uh, what we're we're a Sunday night, so there might be information. Knowing our luck, we're gonna speculate, and then mm-hmm. tomorrow morning, this week in pinball is probably gonna come out out and be like, by the way, this is what's coming out this week. So let's do some speculations really quick. Okay. Uh, flipping out pinball, uh, with Ryan White, not this last week, but the week before, uh, Ryan White of Chicago Gaming went on and said that they're going to be releasing re-releasing medieval madness soon um he didn't give much he didn't say when he didn't say how they're going to do it but my my question is it's got to be time right like logan arcades had the medieval madness with the giant dmd like the attack from mars and monster bash for almost a year now if i remember correctly so do you do you do that like do you release monster medieval madness no matter what with the large dmd are people going to buy it without it? You know what I'm saying? So what? I think they'll buy it. I think they'll buy it. And it's uh, medieval madness is their evergreen title. That's the, you know, that that's their version of the wizard of Oz for Jersey Jack. I, they will, they will keep selling those. And with scalability of, of manufacturing, you can, you can make 20 or 30 at a time and you don't have to just keep making them, until you're done and then move on like Williams used to. Well, but, uh, the, but the thing, this is where I'm getting at. So okay. we all know that a large DMD is coming. Let's say, let's say uh, Chicago show, Chicago gaming shows up uh, at expo and says, Hey, we're, we're doing a new line, but we're, we're doing it without the large screen. Like you can only buy the standard screen. Do you think people are going to buy it knowing that there's a large DMD coming sometime? Maybe. Uh, Okay, so I I have a a Medieval Madness remake, a standard one. I don't have the LE. I have a standard one. It 
it plays great. My my friend has Nelly, and it plays. I I don't notice much of a difference or, or any difference really. Um, we both have the upgraded color DMD, uh, and so it is the the high density pixelated dots. Um, yes, would I if I had the choice between the small one and the big one? Would I uh, would I go the smaller one? Probably not. But I was talking to my friend about it last week, and I, we brought up the large color DMD, and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm going to upgrade." And I and I thought, you know, I'm probably not. I I'm fine with the size of it, size of it, and it it's it, it's visually spectacular enough for me. I'm sure the upgrade kit because it'll be a new back box, it'll be new speakers, and it's not going to be cheap. Um, the and even the chip upgrade for Medieval Madness was four hundred bucks. Yeah. So I've already spent four hundred dollars to get the upgraded chip. Am I am I going to uh, spend another thousand dollars to basically get a a visual a bigger visual thing? I, I'm not, but I can see them transitioning from that to the the expanded one and people saying yeah that's fine i don't feel gypped though having the smaller one let's ask you this question since you're looking for the medieval madness in your dream collection if if you get to expo this week and chicago gaming is like hey we're releasing this bad boy but it's only the small screen we're holding off on the large screen for right now you had the money the cash would you hold off or would you say hey i'm buying it right now I would buy a used one and wait for the big one. Okay. That's that's acceptable. I'll take that. Ironically, I I don't see much of a price difference between like right now there still isn't a big market for the the secondary market on these. Like I I really haven't seen a difference. So um, for the for the larger screen, did you say that's a wider a wider back box? No, it's the same back box. And so I'm, I'm looking at, uh, so I have a, a Medieval Madness remake and I have an Attack from Mars LE, like the remake. And if you look at the back class, it's, um, it is a much bigger, uh, bigger um, screen, an LCD screen that covers almost to the side rails. And so it, it, you know, it looks like about two inches deeper on each side. And so it's obviously uh, higher too. Just think of it as, as like taking your screen and just grabbing the edges and stretching them out in the same aspect ratio. But it's still the same density though. Like the Attack from Mars LE, it has the higher den- like they they did pixelation so they try to keep it period uh um era appropriate i guess but they it's kind of like going from nintendo to genesis where it went from 8 bit to 16 bit where you're getting four four dots in the size of one dot and so you can do a lot more stuff and it looks better but right now it's the smaller screen and so it's just it's just more concentrated, I guess. So would the kit be a speaker panel with the color display and then the speakers? And you, you're I saying that's a thousand dollars? Well, that's well, the no, rumor. that's what we're speculating. That's, that's the the rumor is, and basically, what you have to think at it from 
Chicago gaming company standpoint, if I'm going to swap out my back panel and they're going to manufacture it, so they need a new back panel, they need a new um, LCD screen, and they need two speakers, like how much of that, I mean, a color DMD itself is 400 bucks. And so if they're going to incorporate that, but still make some money on it, I would guess that it would be $1,000 because I spent $400 for the chip that upgraded the the two colors from the green. So you think it's going to be five to 600 just for the speakers and the panel? Huh, well, I think for the entire package, I'm guessing. I, hey, maybe they'll surprise me. Maybe it'll be a $500 thing and I'll say, sure, go ahead. But Well, and here's the other thing I'm thinking too. So your release, you, you do another run of Medieval Madness, right? Um, their model right now is do your standard that's what you would have got back in the 90s, your special, which is the larger display screen and the illuminated speaker panel, and then um, with a little bit of bells and whistles here and there. And then you've got your LE. Well, the LE is the one with the illuminated speakers and the topper. Gotcha. And the, and the extra lighting package. So, so I guess my question is, do you think CGC then comes out and says, hey, we're going to do the three-tier model again, and we're going to make a topper for this, and we're going to do a large display screen. And we're just pretty much going to do like we would with everything else, but just run a, run a fresh new batch on this. I I don't know if they would do that just because you already sold the original LEs. And so would you, just from a, a PR standpoint, and this is the problem that Jersey Jack runs into, right? When they say, hey, this is an LE, but really when you look at the numbers and saying, well, LE is probably just the, the standard one that everybody's going to buy. And they're probably not going to run out of the numbers and they'll come back and just make as many as they need. But with the Medieval Madness, it was an LE. It was a thousand, and they sold out in three days. So, can can you do that? Can you do that from a PR standpoint to say, okay, we're doing another LE that's similar to the Attack from Mars? I have mixed feelings in that. One, I didn't do the LE because they weren't available when I bought my MMR. Yeah, but I can understand how an original purchaser would say, "Wow, really." But I also understand, I look at what they did for Attack from Mars, and I look at what they did for uh, Monster Bash, and that would be really cool to have a similar treatment for Medieval Madness. Well, that's the other thing I was going to bring up, too. Look at Attack from Mars. Uh, all those that bought the standard edition bought it for, correct me if I'm wrong, $500 more. But when it when Monster Bash came out and they dropped the price lower for the standard for the Monster Bash, they also did it for the Attack from Mars just because they want to keep their pricing cool. So Maybe. It, there's a lot of questions that are floating around in my mind because it's like, does that mean that when they do the re-release and they do a standard edition, they drop the price of the Medieval Madness then to the standard edition as well? Yeah, I, I don't mean, know. I, I paid 8000 for mine. So I paid 8000 and then I paid shipping because it wasn't included. So add shipping on top of that. And then I paid $400 for the chip. And... The now there is more. There's more to medieval madness. You have the castle. You have the the dragon ramp. You have you know th there is more there than attack from Mars and monster bash. 
And so you could argue that you're paying for more mechs, but um, I don't know because uh, I, I believe Attack from Mars was eighty five hundred uh, for the LE. Um, um I, or I was can't it nine? I, th- I, I thought remember. it was eighty three. I thought it was eighty three hundred. Okay, well so, maybe that's what you you bought it for. I bought it for eighty five. So no, I didn't buy it for eighty three. I bought mine for less than that. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, because I know who sold it to you. <laughs> yep, exactly. <laughs> yeah, that guy's yep. a drunk driver when it comes to collecting. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay. I, I have two of his games, so we're fine. So okay, so so that's our speculation on CGC. Um, Brad, you were well, talking about th- that's the speculation on MMR. But are you yes? Do you think they're going to release another game? I don't think so. I think the nice part for CGC themselves is they can kind of sit back and do what they want. So they're not in a hurry. It's like, why why hurry to put out uh, the rumored, we're not confirming this, Cactus Canyon, mm-hmm. which everyone's hearing that anyway, but yeah. do you rush it? I don't know. I, I That's another one too, I, right? That's another yeah. one too, Brad. Is that one? Is that one that you'd buy? Have you played? A, have you played a Cactus Canyon? I have. I do like it. Uh, it would be on the list if it was continued. I'm not as interested in the regular one. Yeah, they they never finished it, so I I think right now it's an undetermined. Well, and the rumor is it's not going to be Cactus Canyon continued, but it's actually they've paid the original software designer to come in and finish the rest of the code of what his vision was for cost for Canyon or Cactus Canyon. So, yeah. It, 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 hey, I think it'd be great. It's, it's one of those where I'm, I guess I'm less interested in the game because when I look at, uh, I look at games and I try to take the, the nostalgia element out of it. And the reason why Cactus Canyon is so expensive is because of the rarity. It, I, it's, it's really not because of the gameplay. It's the rarity. And so when you take the rarity away, is it going to be as valuable? It's the same thing as Big Bang Bar. And there's an inter- there's a really interesting story behind Big Bang Bar, but is it going to is it going to hold up if you could buy that for seven thousand eight thousand dollars when you could buy a Jurassic Park premium for that, which I mean, arguably is a newer game. It has twenty years more development, but if you have the money in your pocket, which one are you going to buy? So for me, I think, and, and this might just be me, but I really think Cactus Canyon is a fun shooter. I, okay. I, I don't know if I've ever gotten in far enough to where the codes puttered out and I'm like, what's going on here? Um, and, and like I said, I've only played it on my phone, so I might not have a better understanding, but uh, I've gotten all the way through to the wizard mode um, where you, cause it's just kind of like, Attack for Mars and Medieval Madness, where you gotta you shoot the shots, and then um, you've got the sheriff um, star in the middle of the playfield, and, and there's five different things you gotta complete to get to the wizard mode. And so, I mean, to me, it wasn't like it was terrible by any means. Like I've played definitely worse out there. I agree. I wouldn't spend. What does Cactus Canyon go for before they announce they're gonna remake it? Like twenty grand. Uh, yeah, and it was, it was in the 15 to 20. So I wouldn't, I would never pay that much for it, but if they came out and said the standard was the six to 6,500, whatever it is, I'd be intrigued, especially if the code's all the way finished. You know, it's, it's interesting though, because when you look at it, 
I just looked at the two designers that are listed as doing this game, and I've never even heard of these guys. Uh, I don't even know how to pronounce this guy's name. Matt uh, Coriali and Tom Copura. Uh, like, I haven't heard of any of these guys. Like, I, I when I click on their profile, they're still in the industry. Um, so Tom is Tom helped out on Elvira, helped out on uh, Game of Thrones, helped on, and it looks like he's the, he's in the mechanics design team. Um, okay. And if you look at, uh, sorry, I'm flipping back and forth. Hold please. Uh, and if you look <laughs> at Matt, um, Matt has has been listed on Cactus Canyon was the last game he did software on Safe Cracker. No Fear software, World Cup soccer software, and Star Trek Next Generation software. And those are all really great titles. They are, but it's interesting because that's a big difference between being a designer and a software guy or a designer and a mechanics guy. So that's that's interesting that they they got together on that. But yeah, it's an estimated price of Cactus Canyon is a... Eleven thousand five hundred, but I bet that's come down significantly after Chicago Game Company got back into the game. So moving on, um, new Star Wars artwork coming out. You were talking about this, Brad. You said that you saw it and uh, you'd be excited to play it. It, it. Does the artwork change your your thoughts on the game? Yeah, it's interesting. I saw the artwork and then I went into work the, the next day, and the girl next to me had a Star Wars coffee mug on her desk. And I said, oh, I have something to show you. So I sent her a picture of the new Star Wars pinball artwork. It seems more shareable, exciting, nostalgic. Back to how I envision Star Wars should be. Uh, The original artwork is Star Wars, but it's not when I think Star Wars art or I think Spider-Man or any of the Marvel type artwork. Pinball is an art piece, right? It's a piece of furniture that has artwork wrapped all around it. The new Star Wars I would want in my family room, not the older version. I, I have a, I guess I have a different opinion. Uh, I look at the artwork, and I think it is, I think it's great. Um, it feels very early Star Wars because I mean I grew up with Star Wars, so you know Star Wars came out when I was three years old, and then I. I, I grew up in the heyday of it. I, I still remember going to Empire Strikes Back when I was seven years old and thinking it was amazing, which was completely different than when I took my seven-year-old to Last Jedi. And after 30 minutes, he turned to me and said, how much longer, Dad? <laughs> so um, when I look at the the hand-drawn art, it feels very early Star Wars, if that makes sense. The If you look at the early uh, art release on Star Wars, I, it's very 70s. It feels very 70s. It feels Luke is there with his chest open and in, in almost this Conan the Barbarian pose. And it's very, it feels very 70s. And then it transitions when you look at the art for Empire Strikes Back, where the Empire Strikes Back is a little more photorealist, realistic. And uh, same thing with Return of the Jedi. And so by doing this trilogy game, but capturing the art period at the very beginning, like I prefer the I prefer the the new art package. I actually the one two of the translates I want to get 
for your light your light boxes is I want to get the Star Wars premium and the Star Wars original because it it looks very Star Wars esque to me. I also appreciate people saying, no, I really like the old nostalgic one. When I look at that art, it feels a little more like Star Wars Holiday Special to me. But I know that I am in the minority. I, I completely admit I'm in the minority. Yeah, the original just feels plain. I mean, it's, it's true to Star Wars, but if, if I want, if I look at it from mm-hmm. art piece perspective or from someone who doesn't really know pinball, this, the new one, right. is what my wife would want in the basement from an art piece, not the old one. Okay. okay. Uh, she, she loves Lost World pinball because of the artwork. She could care less about the gameplay because it looks yeah. good. And, and, and that's well, completely fair. I, I like that that it it certainly captures a a stylistic view. I, I certainly can appreciate that. Well what's crazy to me is they they released the new artwork and there was a handful of Star Wars pins up on pin side within eight hours. I mean it was just got flooded with, with Star Wars. I mean I guess the resounding the resounding thing is is people want want the new artwork and so I I don't know. I think there's more I think there's more to that game that needs to be fixed than just slapping a new coat of paint on it, but that's just me. So Well, I, the challenge with it is when you have um when you have the artwork and this is the challenge with working with uh something like Lucas and it's the same type of challenge when you're looking at Wonka. And I I still hold to my original assessment that Wonka, it looks a little bit like a cereal box. If you were going to go by Wonka Charms, that's basically the art package you were going to get. Because it feels very much a, okay, we're controlling the brand. We want to be exactly what we say. And so we're going to use that iconic pose of gene wilder but we're going to use it like five times on the game and that's how i feel the star wars they seem to be locked into hey i i'm going to use those iconic photos and that's when they talk about the art package feels a little bit like a a sticker collage right it's if you got okay here's luke assemble him on the play field but it's the exact pose that you've seen for 30 years and I, I can understand Lucas being very jealous about trying to maintain the integrity of you know the original trilogy. Not so much Last Jedi, because let's just destroy everything that people like about Star Wars with Last Jedi. But let's talk about the original. And, and so they tried to keep it as um, as focused as they could without taking risks. I'm really surprised that they even went this new way with this uh, hand-drawn art because it's still very similar pose, but it feels very different. I was going to say, you look at the play field and I feel like the play field is the exact same thing. Just it is stylized like the cartoon. It is. But I don't know. Star Wars is polarizing and uh, it's whatever floats your boat really at this time. I, I, I don't know what to really say about Star Wars. I know people are, I don't know. It's just, it is what it is. (laughs) I don't know what to say. I love the, and maybe it's just because I'm an Empire Strikes Back fanboy, but I love the side art on the premium where it has the Battle of Hoth. I mean, that's what I would buy. So, oh yeah, 
So I want to move on to, um, I know that, man, Stern's been on fire right now. Wouldn't you guys agree? I mean, we've had four yeah. releases in, in 90 days, I think is what it is, between Jurassic Park, Star Wars, The Pin, Elvira, and now if you count Star Wars with the new artwork, I mean, that's that's four new pins yeah. coming off the line. Or not new, but you know what I mean. At three, three out of the four, you know? Yeah. So, and everyone's always... <sighs> No one's ever satisfied with what's out right now. They want to know what's coming, right? So I've done a little digging for you guys. Um, so we're going to rewind the clocks. Uh, Iron Maiden was released in 2017 from Elwin. Um, I don't know what you'd count Beatles as. I can't remember if it's a cornerstone. I know Scott and I and Brad have been kind of talking about this off screen. Um, it's a Kapow title, but I, I just don't know if it counted as a cornerstone because of the pricing and, and everything that was involved. So also in 2017, then you had Deadpool by Gomez, which was originally supposed to be Trudeau, but Gomez stepped in because of it, it, well, issues. Let's just know. move on. Yeah, yeah. Issue, issues. If you don't know, if you want to research it, go for it. We, we, yeah. Anyhow, it, it, so, it's, it's icky. Just move on. It's, it's weird to me though, that in 2018, we only had Iron Maiden and Deadpool. If you don't count Beatles, those are the only two cornerstones in that whole year. They did release Primus, but that was obviously that was a contract an game, an offshot. Yeah. So, and then starting January of this year, we had Borg did Monsters, we had Richie did Black Knight Sword of Rage, Elwin shows up again with Jurassic Park, and this is that thirteen to fourteen month window. So, if we go by this window, so Elwin Gomez. Borg, Richie, Elwin. The next one should be Brian Eddy, because I assume, I mean, we all know what assuming means, but I assume Gomez only works on games if, if it needs be, because he's just the, over everything, you know? So we're, we're going to slide in Brian Eddy as the next title that is released. And it's supposed to be before the end of the year, which would make sense because we're at that 13 to 14 month ratio from when Brian Eddy was announced slash, wait, was it 2017 TPF? Yeah, it, 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 he pulled like a Steve Jobs, like right before the end of it. He's like, oh, by the way, we hired Brian Eddy. And then Mike dropped yeah. and walked off. Yep. And so we're we're right at that time frame. We should be seeing Brian Eddy's game. And what are the rumor titles we've heard? Like uh, Stranger Things is the one that's gaining traction right now. What, what do you guys think of Stranger Things? Yeah, so I... I've seen all three seasons. I love Stranger Things. I also ask when, when in a season or a series do you launch a game versus when have you waited too long to capture the hype of a game, or is there a window? Right. There's, well, and you would know. You're the marketing man. What would you suggest? Uh, Especially with Stranger Things, I probably would have done it after season two. Right. So you've had at least a second season that's confirmed demand but still enough hype and energy around season three. So I would have launched it this summer uh, when season, when season right, three, right, dropped. season three. Yeah. yeah. Well, and they've confirmed season four, but that's still, there's, they're not on a typical, like every year kind of thing. It seems like they're about a 18 months apart kind of thing, or maybe, maybe not that long, but still, yeah, I mean, I, I think the challenge is finding that sweet spot in that, they, I, if you have not heard the Johnny Mnemonic story, or um, then go and listen to 
the special one lit podcast or watch the flipping out stream when special one lit, uh, when Ken and Bill were talking to George Gomez, cause it's hilarious because, you know, he, I'll just quickly rehash the story, but go listen to George tell it. But they were developing the game for Williams. They were developing Johnny mnemonic and they didn't really see the, the game, the movie. And they were like, Hey, we want to see it. And so finally the, the Hollywood said, okay, come out and see. So George flies out and sees and immediately runs to the phone and says, Hey, we got to get out of this. This game, this, this movie sucks. <laughs> and, and so that's the challenge that you run into, into going all in on an unproven title. Now, that's the reason why you're seeing a lot of things like Iron Man. Iron Man came out with Iron Man 2 because Iron Man was a big hit. And so they, just like, they came out and did that. Now, the question is, when do you do it? Do you have to wait till the nostalgic window comes around, which is basically what happened with Jurassic Park, what happened with uh, Ghostbusters, where you know it's old but cool, right? And that's the, the Wreck-It Ralph line, uh, the nostalgic area. But... At the same time, you run into the problem is if you are releasing something early in, uh, if it's a serialized story, then you have such limited things to go on. If you're go if you're taking themes of the story to incorporate into modes, then it's hard unless you're doing like a Jurassic Park where you're doing more of a parallel story and you're using the theme, but not necessarily the storyline. So. I don't know. Are you buying the theme? Are you buying the story? Do you want to incorporate it all in? Because you can also find out when it's like, okay, so how about we release an in sync pin right now? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's, it's yeah. only only yeah. twenty years okay, too yeah. late, but you know, maybe JT up there singing bye bye bye, you know, bye 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 multi ball. I mean that'd be awesome, right? So here's the other thought. Do manufacturers should they be thinking about code? So say they did Stranger Things right after season two. But they built the code in a way okay. and the game in a way that allowed it to evolve as the seasons evolved. So when you updated your code, it would now reflect season three, season four, season five. That'd be cool. I, it depends, though, because you look at season one and it's so much different than season two. Then you look at season three and it's so much different than season uh, the other seasons. It's just like what I don't. I don't know. And I've played the other, I don't know if you guys have played the stranger theme video games. There's like mobile games and stuff like that. And a lot of those are just like exploring the town of Hawkins and, and you kind of make your own story from it. And I, I like this idea of like Jurassic park. Um, you, you're part of the experience. It's not like you're following the movies. Like there's, there's references to the movies obviously, cause it is a movie, but you're, you're working your way through your own story. And so I would appreciate, I would like a Stranger Things theme where I'm exploring Stranger Things instead of like, oh, I'm, I don't know, reliving maybe some of the moments. Because in my opinion, Stranger Things isn't necessarily about moments that come to the top of my head that I can think of besides uh, certain characters dying in the in the TV series. So, um. I, I just don't know. Like Game of Thrones, they released Game of Thrones halfway through all their seasons. And I mean, it turned out fine. I just, I don't know. So hey, it's hard because there are, if you go with a linear story mode, which is what, um, which is what Ghostbusters was locked into. 
then you, you are following the same. It's not to choose your own adventure, which is what people want in a, a, a pinball machine or a video game. They don't want it. That's pretty old school. It, that's, that's Mario going from level one to level eight to rescue the princess. And people want to mix it up. They want to have more control over the code. The, with Ghostbusters, it's always, hey, who brought the dog? And it's it's the same. It was the same progression that people got tired of. And if you do a similar paint by numbers where you're going through and saying, well, if you're progressing through the story, people are going to get really tired of it. What made Iron Man different is that you have the different options where it takes the theme. So you can beat the Iron Monger, but you could also do the whiplash or you could play War Machine or you could play drones or, and so, and you don't have to do them in a linear fashion, which is what people like in games. So I guess Lyman's found a way of doing it in Batman 66, where he's been able to incorporate all the different episodes without it feeling too linear. But I don't know. This is what's challenging about marketing, right? It's, yep. it's finding that lightning in a bottle. Well, and I don't know. So some of the other rumor tiles, uh, James Bond, I know we talked about that a couple months ago. But from my understanding, that's dead in the water. Um, I, I don't know if it was a title just thrown out there to see if it would get enough response to warrant uh, it being made. Or um, I, I personal th- personally think some titles get thrown out there just to throw people off the scent. I don't know if this is one of that one. I also I just, think that I they actually s- put them out there to see if there's an interest. I, 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 how long was Iron Maiden rumored? And legitimately, it was rumored for years. Until finally, it's like, oh, I guess we're really doing this. The only other one that I know of uh, is Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And if Brian Eddy's making Ninja Turtles, I'm sell it to me right now. I, I, I don't even have to look at it. Like, I'm done. <laughs> I don't know. We've talked about this before. I know you're not a huge Ninja Turtles fan, Scott. Brad, Brad what about you? Are you a Ninja Turtles fan? Not enough to buy the pinball machine. Ah, oh, dude. Just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Okay. It, it's obviously still a relevant title. I mean, the, I mean, you, Josh, you just barely bought the arcade one up thing. And so yep. you've been playing that. And so, Hey, it's, it's nostalgic in, in many ways. It takes me back to when I'm 15 and we don't have to deal with adult issues. And it, it it's, it, it's an escape, right? Uh, my challenge with Brian Eddy is yes, he did Medieval Madness, he did Attack from Mars, and he did The Shadow. And I mean, has it been too long? Because th- that, that's the question. I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the whole... Yes, Paul McCartney was in The Beatles, and they released the White Album. They re- released Abbey Road. They released um, you know, all these epic albums. But he really didn't release anything good after that, or anything that you would want the entire album. And so... Has it been too long? Can he get back in the game? I hope so, but I, I'm not going to do a. I'm not going to buy it based on Brian Eddy. I'm hopeful, but really, his two epic games are excellent fan layouts, and I don't think I need another like. Wow! If if it's going to be exactly the same, then I don't need to buy another one. I have Medieval Madness. I have Attack from Mars. I agree, but I think the problem with Medieval Madness and Attack from Mars is 
um, Williams and um, Data East could already see the writing on the wall at that time. Yeah, they were and pulling so, out. Yeah, I, I I can see it. So I'm interested to see what he, what he's going to do in the next twenty year, uh, you know, twenty years later. I and mean, he's certainly yeah. been in the industry, but um, I don't know what, what theme do you now? Besides, I'm not talking about rumored themes. What theme do you want Brian Eddy to do? Who me or Brad? Both. Collective you. <laughs> The, the royal we, yes. Oh, I I wanted to do Ninja Turtles. <laughs> I, I'm sorry, and, I, and I feel warranted in it. Wait, do you and, want and the Aquabats being, again? Is that what you're gonna do? Yes, let's let's do Aquabats. Yes, please. No, the reason it sounds I, like a band. Oh, it okay, is a band. okay. It's a see, he doesn't even know who they are. I know. I was joking. Oh, okay. I know who they oh, are. Yes, okay. finally. Thank you. They are coming to Utah. If you want to see them? November 9th. Anywho, so. That arcade machine that's sitting at that one eight, the arcade one up that I bought for the Ninja Turtles from the ninety, the eighty nine, and the Turtles in Time, the pre orders sold out in less than thirty minutes. The two times that they put it up there, and I had to fight to buy this arcade cabinet because it was selling out so quickly. And and granted, it could be that's less supply, which means there's higher demand. Blah 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 blah. But but point being is is there is. A, obviously a high enough demand for these machines that they mass produce and put in Walmarts to the point that they have been selling out of them when they announced it seven months ago. So I still think that it is very warranted to have a Ninja Turtles pinball machine because I, I think the iron's hot there. So, okay. But yeah. Yeah. Uh, Lego would be high on my list. Toy okay. Story would be high. Some of the Pixar. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Lego, like just like the Lego movie, or would you just do like original Lego theme? Um, I think you'd have to do the Lego movie. I don't know if it's Lego movie, but I feel like I would want to pick. You do space Lego, pirate Lego. Can you pick which Lego at the beginning of the game? Oh, that'd be that'd be legit. I didn't even think of that. So it'd be it's kind of like the movie where they had the different worlds. Like there was like medieval world and western world and. Yeah, or how, yeah. Your, how your play sets are different, right? So you could yeah. choose which adventure, and then the modes would correlate to the adventure you play. That would be cool. Almost like choosing a character, right? Oh, yeah. You know what? I think that would huh. work. That could work. I, I never really thought of a Lego movie as an option, but I think it could. So, I okay, so sorry. We cut you off. And then Toy Story. What else? Toy Story. Uh, some of the Pixar stuff, some of the animation, I think, lends itself well through JJP. I know they've, they've been rumored. Long time with Toy Story. Okay. Uh, MacGyver. I feel like we need a MacGyver pin. That'd be legit. If you want to I, I, I would do it just for the mullet. Just for the <laughs> mullet. You have to problem solve your way through the game with mm-hmm. uh, Swiss Army knife and bubble gum. Mm-hmm. It's also and some gunpowder gun that he made off like <laughs> shaving something off the wall. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't know if there. I don't know if there's others. Um, yeah, those are probably my top ones. Okay. I honestly, you know, I would just love a Legend of Zelda from Brian Eddy. I think they would. I think he would take that and just. It would be perfect. But you know, I'd be okay with the Super Mario times. Brothers. Just straight up Mario yeah. Brothers. Like I, 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 I yeah. or a Mario. I, I, I think Zelda would be epic. But I, I think Mario, like I want, 
I, I just want a Nintendo mashup in there. You know, Super yeah. Smash Brothers, maybe. Well, cool. I think that pretty much covers it for the rumors and stuff. I think one more thing we wanted to bring up. the One of the gentlemen you've been talking about, Brad, is uh, Christopher Franchi. And this last week, he pretty much bid adieu that him and Stern are parting ways. Uh, we want to wish him the best. I can't wait to see what else he comes up with. Because, I mean, Beetlejuice is, I mean, like the Beetlejuice you've been talking about and the Superman, those are all fantastic. He's, he's an amazing artist. So wherever he goes, I just want more because he, I, I don't feel like we got enough Franchi yet. I mean, he's just, his artwork's amazing. So yeah, hundred percent. Batman sixty six. That was another game he did that would be on uh, on my list for my game. Yeah, room. That'd, yeah yes. that'd be a great one. The nice thing about what what Chris is doing is that it, he's putting out those dream themes that you can say, hey, this game is is probably not gonna not gonna be made, but he can do it under the the um, the fan uh, the fan art banner, and so he can actually do something like that. So. Hey, that would be awesome. Uh, Chris should make a, uh, you know, he would he he could make a Legend of Zelda backlash, which would be awesome, and I would buy that. So you know, there, yeah, there's a lot of those masters things. of the universe, oh, right? Add it to the list. That would be great. Yeah, he, he uh, only if it's Dolph Lundgren though. <laughs> yeah, never quite figured out what Skeletor really wanted that whole time. <laughs> And he's a skeleton. What does he care? Oh, my goodness. All righty, guys. We've been running for <clears throat> over an hour now. We've been we've been almost an hour and 20 minutes. Let's, I, is there any other <clears> – there's nothing else I can think of. I'm, I'm excited for Expo this week. What about you guys? Yeah. I'm super, super stoked. Josh coming out for it? I I wish I I just won't be able to be out there this week. Yeah, so. we I I can't do it. It's uh, it's um there's already two big things at work that take people away and I can't uh sneak away uh for doing a uh, something hobby related. But I am planning on coming to Texas Pinball Festival. So that will be uh, uh that will be on my horizon. So you should come down uh you should come down and break bread with us there. Sounds great. All right. Hey, uh tell them again. Tell them again where where they can get your stuff. Yeah, litframes.com. You can email me at litframeshop at gmail.com or come check out my booth at Expo Thursday, Friday, or Saturday this coming week. So 17th, awesome. 18th, and 19th of October. Yep. You guys better be there. We want we want pictures. I don't care who you are. You better start posting pictures to our Facebook. Right, Scott? Yeah, sure. <laughs> yes whatever oh my goodness well i care i i, I don't i we want to keep it safe for work yes keep it safe for work on our page but show us what's going on at expo because all of us are going to be working except for brad yeah so. i'll still Bradley be i'll still be too. working <laughs> yeah yeah you'll be working the booth instead That's of right. work. yeah so well cool you know what i'm going to insert our new outro music right now yeah so thanks again for joining us, guys. You've been tuned into the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, hit us up at Facebook or at loserkidpinballpodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, Scott, tell them, what, tell them you're out. I don't know. <laughs> tell them something. See you later. Later, guys. <laughs> <laughs>